Welcome to The Truth in His Heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I'm excited to be in conversation with my next guest, who is breaking barriers and amplifying underrepresented voices on screen. They're known for their award-winning documentaries and advocacy work. Uh, this week, uh, their latest film, Unseen, premieres at the prestigious Black Star Film Festival in Philadelphia. Please welcome my guest, Seth Hernandez. Welcome to the podcast. Wow, it is my distinct pleasure to be here. Thank you, Rob, for having us. Thank you for for making the time. I, I really, you know, appreciate it. And um, I think we're going to have a really cool conversation here. So, you know, as we get get started here, um, could you share a bit of your background? And, you know, since since we're going to discuss the film a bit and your 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 background and, and your career and your work overall, I want to like start and you're going to like this set the stage because I, I like puns. We're going to set the stage. <laughs> uh, but when did you first discover your your passion for film and community activism and advocacy? Let's let's talk about that a bit. I love that. Um, I wanted, when I was little, I watched a lot of cartoons, anime in particular, growing up in the Philippines. 4 p.m., 3 p.m., that's a block for anime in the Philippines uh, and, and national television. Um, and I... Uh, thought I wanted to be an animator, but you know, I've always wanted to be a storyteller in particular, I wanted to be an animator when I was little, but then I realized I can't draw to save my life. So this is not gonna work out, you know, but um, in, in, since moving, you know, immigrating to the Philippines as a kid, to living in the US for pretty much, you know, my most of my entire life at this point, um, I uh, became more involved in organizing, particularly when I became aware of what it means for me to live in this country as an undocumented immigrant, as an undocumented young person. Um, I feel like, you know, I went to film school, to be honest, um, and the, the presentation of film, the film industry, quote unquote industry, you know, that was presented to me was like this very much um, capitalistic corporate, you know, studio system of film, you know, that as an undocumented person, I felt like I cannot really engage in because of the circumstances of my life, you know. So even though I went to film school, I didn't feel like it was a viable option for me to pursue film in in the traditional path that you know certain people might have access to. So I became more involved in organizing, you know, and I was already doing student organizing um, in college um, with other undocumented students in particular pushing for, you know, access to be able to get financial aid to go to college, being able to be eligible for scholarships, you know, in the university system, and also originally being involved in the movement, you know, to pass the DREAM Act, for example, or at the time what led to the passage of Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals or the DACA. Um, you know, but but in the course of doing this, I realized how the media really was, you know, vulturing over the stories of immigrants, you know, particularly like this tragedy porn experience of like, oh, look at how scared you are. Look at how sad you are. Look at how deprived you are, you know, as undocumented people, you know, and really never also experiencing 
the experience never really finding the undocumented experience beyond this box that the that you know mainstream media portrays us to be you know Mm -hmm. and i feel like people in my life myself included my family our narratives were never included in that so i think uh, in in that vein that's kind of where i realized that there's this um there's there's the intertwining of organizing and storytelling that emerged in my life you know this as a young filmmaker, I guess. Thank you. That that is great. And because you opened the door, I gotta I gotta ask. So, what was your favorite anime growing up? I didn't, I didn't just... What was my favorite anime growing? Well, as a queer person, I should say, while my older brother was like just really going crazy for Dragon Ball, I was out here like living my best Sailor Moon life. To be should. honest, you know. So Sailor Moon, um, but actually, I would say my most favorite anime growing up, Sailor Moon, was like my introduction. But I would say it was actually Hunter X Hunter, you know, the original in the yeah. late nineties, you know, that I was really introduced to. So, yes. see, w- whenever someone mentions like like anime, because I'm a I'm a passive anime head, so I'm always looking for suggestions of things to check out and. I go to the cons and all of that stuff. So I'm like, all right, I don't want to look like a noob when I go over there. It's like, I don't know anything, but um, I know the lyrics. I won't say them. I know the lyrics to many themes. <laughs> Yu Yu Hakusho. He did his research. Was... He did his research. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so now, because we're, we're kind of around with sort of the media portion, so obviously anime was, was touched on there, which is in the, the sort of fun vein when it comes to sort of you know, the films that, you know, stick out for you growing up and even into even now, right? Um, what are some of those documentaries, some of those filmmakers, just that sort of version of media that that sticks out to you and perhaps shows up in how you approach your work? Oh, I love that question, Rob. And I think for me, maybe something I'll preface. While I went to film school, I don't know, I haven't watched a lot of films from the U.S. in particular. I don't follow the Marvel movies, for example, or like the Barbie, like the latest like product of Hollywood. You know, it's not really my vibe, to be honest. But ask me about Iranian cinema, ask me about Hong Kong cinema, ask me about Filipino cinema. I got you, you know, like. A lot of my inspiration are films that are not from the U.S., not from Hollywood, you know, and in particular, if it is from the U.S. or from Hollywood, it's mostly from, you know, independent filmmakers of color in particular. I think the voices that are not commodified by capitalism in particular, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it also means not the most sustainable living for many of these filmmakers, you know, but but you know, I feel like the the voices of filmmakers of color in the U.S. in particular that haven't been commodified, I think, are some of the most like really empowering storytellers out there. And as an undocumented person, you know, what like I told you earlier, I was looking for in a way like representation of myself, you mm-hmm. know, that's not in the box of the mainstream media. What I want to give a shout out to one of the first filmmakers who are undocumented, you know, that really uplifted the experience of our community. You know, her name is Tam Tran. She is of Vietnamese descent, you know, undocumented in the U.S., but was born in Germany. And when people would ask her, like, you know, what's your nationality? She's like, you know, the world, you know, because like born in Germany, like Vietnam descent, you know, but 
but you know grew up in the u.s you know like it doesn't get more complicated than that you know around like sense of like this national identity whatever that means for for anybody you know but tam tran made this film short film in 2007 called lost and found you know that i feel like was the first time i saw a filipino undocumented person on screen through a documentary wow. you know and i would also say i think beyond that you know i really I really feel I like these days, the movies that I really connect with, you know, are the more pensive kind of like, um, like films that don't happen so quickly that allow you to like reflect on every moment, you know, I, and that's why I love, you know, like films from Iran, you know, like films by and I know like sometimes like I don't know the politics of these filmmakers but I do love their films like for example Majid Majidi you know films like Children of Heaven um Baran you know and um Jafar Panahi Crimson Gold you know like just just really powerful filmmaking that's not in the U.S. Thank you and um I'll, I'll throw this out there uh I, I remember you know the Academy Awards a few years ago and just sort of more attention in a, in a really high profile sort of way to films from filmmakers who are not American and mm. that don't fit that sort of bah, bah, you know, this is the Hollywood machine. And I, I just remember one that I was on the fence about it and it sticks with me. It still mm. sticks with me. And mm. it's something about that version of storytelling. The movie is uh, drop my car that, that really like sticks with me. It it fits in all of these different things of stuff I normally wouldn't watch. I was like, how many languages in this movie? How yeah. long is it? But then as I'm watching it and they did the sort of really ballsy move, the filmmakers of like, oh, the title is going to be like 40 minutes into the movie. I'm like, oh, this is we're in and I'm captivated where, as you, you were touching on earlier, and I feel the same way um, about like some of the the it, it almost feels like a chore to do your Marvel homework. And I'm like, I don't, it's like, I want to enjoy this and I want to be, I, I want to be challenged in some ways. And I don't want something that feels disposable. And I want filmmakers and people that look like me and people that I rather have conversations with their stories to, to be reflected in a, in a real way, not in this sort of, Hey, we're going to throw a few uh, BIPOC bones out there and see who, who wants to do the work. That's right, Rob. And just to add to this, you know, I think one of the things that I also really don't like about uh, Hollywood films is how monolingual they are, always in English. And I think as an immigrant person, with a lot of immigrant friends who are not from my nationality, you know, my life is so multilingual. Like today, you know, I was speaking in Spanish, you know, and hanging out with my Spanish speaking loved ones, you know, but when I'm at home, I speak Tagalog, you know, and in out there in the street, I'm speaking in English, you know, so I really love films that explore multilinguality and just another film that I would throw out there, The Edge of Heaven, I think was one of the most meaningful films that I ever saw about the complicatedness of transnational experience. The film goes from Turkish to German to English and then back to English and then back to German, to Germany, like back to Turkey, you know, like it was just like really such a powerful way of understanding how big the world is and how multilingual and multicultural our experiences are as immigrants. It's wonderful. It's important. Um, so I, I want to move into, since we're, you know, let's talk about 
good films. Let's talk about your film. Let's talk about oh <laughs> Unseen. And in, in, in talking about it, um, if you could, you know, just tell us a few of the themes that that you're exploring here. This is pretty much going to be that that chunk. We want to talk a bit about the, the the film and, you know, here, give, give us give us the hits. Give us the hits. <laughs> you know, that's such a I, the way I've talked about Unseen during the last, you know, seven years now, you know, of, of like bringing it out into the world. Um, the way I've talked about the film has really changed. I think the most, my most favorite one these days is that Unseen is a coming of age story in your late twenties. You know, it, it's a story about desire, wanting something really bad, but because of the circumstances of your life, it becomes really difficult to get that thing that you've always wanted. You also want this thing, this goal in your life, because you think that it will change your life and, you know, save you from the problems that you are currently facing. You know, and after all this work, you know, after after all this time, you finally get that goal, you finally reach that goal, but you realize, wow, it actually does not solve the problems that I thought it would solve. And if anything, I have new problems they have to confront. So what do I do now with this realization and this uncertainty that the future holds for me? Mm -hmm. You know, so in 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 the story of our film, you know, really it's about you know, Pedro wanting to get his college degree because as the child of immigrants, you know, what he wants to make sure to be able to pay it back to his parents, you know, and, you know, give them a comfortable life also and pay them back for their sacrifices, you know, but because of the circumstances of his life as an undocumented person, you know, as a, as a blind individual, getting that goal is a little bit complicated and more difficult, you know. And when Pedro finally graduates, of course, it's like such an exciting time, you know, in in his life, in the lives of his parents, you know. But because of the experiences of, you know, being an undocumented person, Pedro can't quite um, get to the next level of his profession, of his career in uh, in the pace that I think, you know, most people expect us to have, you know. So, what do you do with that realization and how do you find a sense of inner peace, you know, in all of that? All of this allowing us to intertwine the experiences of disability, immigration and mental health, you know, through this through line of an individual story. Wow. And and with it, you know, that as you said, coming of age, like the process of living with and, and working on a project for the better part of a decade talk about like sort of that growth and actually let's let's step back a little bit um what what was the sort of that initial inspiration to like hey pedro can i you know can i can we hang out can we can we talk about this what, what was that sort of initial like conversation that initial feeling that inspiration i love like uh, a moment of like circularity because i'm gonna go back to your first question okay. because it's tied to that you know of like my background in organizing and in filmmaking. Uh, like I said, I've been involved in organizing since I was 18 um, and particularly in the immigrant rights movement. I met Pedro through this program, you know, around healthcare access for undocumented immigrants. And at the time, Pedro was the only individual we knew in the program to have a disability. And I became aware and realized, you know, more cognizantly that the experiences of immigrants with disabilities are not really uplifted in anything about immigration, you know. And to my point earlier, the way mainstream media represents who an immigrant is, what is an undocumented immigrant's life like, 
doesn't capture the lived realities of so many of us, you know, and uh, I, I think in with this realization, you know, that's kind of like when I first started approaching Pedro in the summer of 20, spring 2016, maybe, you know, about w- whether he's interested in, in, you know, participating in a documentary project, what the scope of the documentary film is, and how many years it will take we did not expect it would take this long. Also, we didn't expect that it would become a feature film, you know. Um, so I think so much of this process also and this impetus, you know, was wanting to reach out to Pedro to uplift his, um, the circumstances of his life, you know, the politics that he's experiencing. Mm-hmm. But through the course of those six and seven years, those motivations, as disclosed in the film, completely changed. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like you're 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 there, and you know, as as I was watching it like earlier, and I think I have this sort of ability when I'm watching something critically, I'm like, all right, everything else is like I'm I'm like zoned in on it, and it's just it's just really good in that way. And when it comes to presenting like your your ideas, your your like your tonality, your sort of like visual language. What was like some of those considerations that were there um, in, in making a project that is inclusive, immersive, and you know that is like it's a re- it's real people, you know. So what were some of those considerations? And even working in multiple formats, like at a point, I was I ended up rewinding, but at a point, I was just listening for like twenty minutes. And I was like, I need to go backwards to get the visual component. So it's like, I stopped, start, stop, start at times. So so talk about that a bit. For sure. I think ever since I started filming with Pedro, I always wanted to find a way for the person whose story is being told at the center of this film, for him to also be able to enjoy the film, you know? And I think there's this idea that film is a visual medium, which it is, you know, but I don't think it only has to be a visual medium. So through Pedro, I learned the use of um, audio description. Uh, For those that may not be familiar with audio description, you know, like if you're in a movie theater, for example, sometimes you can request a headset where a narrator describes to you vis- uh, what's visually happening if you are not a, uh, if you're blind or low vision um and in the course of learning audio descriptions from pedro i realized that oh there's an example of being able to watch a movie by listening instead of just by watching so the aesthetic for the film that's really centered around out of focus you know um and and shallow depth of field filmmaking is to invite viewers that are cited to experience the film not so much just by leaning into visual information but by allowing themselves to listen to information and the visual cues become a complement to what they hear and i think with this process also you know because we can never really make the experiences of a blind person and a sighted person in watching the film the same, you know, like there's that recognition that, okay, like we cannot make that all, you know, the same, but how do we at least make it as enjoyable as possible, you know, to different audiences and that they can still, you know, get something from it, you know, emotionally. Cause I think also the other consideration that I wanted to make sure that I have is that we're not using Pedro's story as a canvas for 
aesthetic experimentation because mm. Pedro's story is so beautiful and tender and also he is in a you know like um the, the political reality of being undocumented in this country you know is not easy you know and the last thing i wanted to do is to not recognize this dynamic you know of having one story distributed only for the purpose of aesthetic you know experimentation and a gimmick you know pretty much you know i wanted to make sure that pedro when the film comes out while it is aesthetically different from most films that pedro feels like wow you made a film about me that is really me you know so yeah I, I felt like I was um, having an Avatar experience for a while. Mm -hmm. So it, it definitely Avatar as in James Cameron Avatar, or Avatar as in The Last Airbender. Uh, neither, actually. I was thinking. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> I was thinking like first person like video game. Like I got it, got it, got it, got it. There you go. Okay, got it. Avatar. The 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 actual meaning of the word Avatar. <laughs> yeah, and, and it definitely um, it hits on that. And I, I'll say I think in extending like how we present something that's that's something that's very key there it encourages the the audience to really be locked in i think um, at least that's what my experience was in enjoying the film and it is it is one of those things where when you have folks that are and i'm saying this in air quotes are diverse or what have you it's just like you're able to open up how stories are being told because you know certain like like going back to like manga right that's written left to right or or right to left versus what you know we have here commonly so having something as simple as that is like let's blow out all the media and see like who should be involved in in thinking through those sort of things and even when i do this like i you know don't literally say that this is just a podcast i'm like this is journalism and this is this and all of these these sort of different things because i view it in that way so you tell us how it is, Rob. You tell us how it is. That's it. <laughs> and e even when you you look at something like, um, you know, I'll talk about like people who are doing plays and doing theater. Mm. I was like, you can do an audio play. Mm. I was like, why does it have to be on a stage with people? They're still acting. And and I would have those sort of fights and those challenges because I think we become too reliant on certain things and it kind of dumps down how we receive things sometimes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Messages like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's let's uh so definitely the the emotional connection is is there. Like again, I feel like I was I was around and I'm like, you know, so, so tell me about like your your growth over that that time as as like a person, as a filmmaker. Was it one of those things? And I don't I don't know what the sort of editing process and please, you know, talk to a, a bit about that, but looking at some of the 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 earlier parts of the the film as we get to the later parts of the film and and finishing out the film what were some of those those feelings and kind of reliving some of these things mm. and like maybe just piggybacking off of what you were saying earlier too Rob like <laughs> you mentioned the avatar experience right that's actually an interesting way to put it you know because one of the things that in the editing you know that kind of emerged that I was telling our editor about is you know, this film is about mental health, you know, mm. and a person's introspection. What would it be like to watch a film as if in like we're in somebody's like consciousness, you know, and and we can I don't think it's uh, we can never 
really under i i will speak for myself i can never really fully know what it's like to be pedro because i don't share his experiences you know but when pedro shares what he's feeling sometimes with me and i tell him about what the things i'm going through in life you know the human emotionality that we both connect with even though we don't share the same experiences sure. that reminds us that we're both like oh we're the same species because we both feel these things you know and i'll never know what it's like to be but and i'll never you'll never know what it's like to be me but we share this common human experience you know that allows us to really you know understand the each other's perspective you know so i think with with what you're saying you know the the intention really is how can we communicate the feeling of being this individual and in that reality getting a sense that oh you know like the experiences that i feel as a person is you know sometimes similar to what this other person is feeling you know and i think for me also you know in the last year you know um actually in the course of making this film over seven years I was not supposed to be a character like for the first six years. It wasn't literally until maybe like May last year, you know, just over a year ago that I emerged as a contender to be on screen because my amazing editor, Daniel Chavez Antiveros, he was watching the footage because I was editing also for the first six years of the project. And then when he comes on board, he's like, you know, like uh, you and Pedro share a lot in common. You know, what would it be like if we include you in the film? And I think what also the invitation that that opened up is that Pedro, I'm asking Pedro to be so vulnerable throughout the course of this film. And to a certain extent, it's almost, I feel like it's almost unfair maybe to expect him to take off all his armor, be in front of the battlefield while I'm in the tent somewhere just watching him, you know, like <laughs> confront an army, you know, mm -hmm. of like viewers and, you know, spectators, you know, while he doesn't have, you know, like while I'm expecting him to be vulnerable, you know, I felt like, I, and I think thanks to Daniel I and listening to his invitation, you know, I think it was important for me to kind of step into that while also making sure that I am not the star of the film. Pedro is still the superstar, you know, of this film. And I think finding that balance that, you know, it's not about me, it's about Pedro. And I just show up because to a certain extent, you know, what Pedro's going through as a person, I was also going through. And if the two of us are going through it, maybe somebody else is going through it too. Right. Wow. Thank you. And um, yeah, I, you know, in, in doing this, like, I, I've done interviews with folks and, you know, I go back to some of those early interviews. I'm like, I don't know what I was asking this person now is more, more seasoned. I, I start asking questions that really have, have, have folks thinking and, and I'm curious, there's a certain rigor to it. And, and, and an example would be, and I would ask this of you right now of, you know, whether it's in, you know, previous work or in unseen what comes to mind as like a, a uncommon source of of inspiration? Um, you know, I go for walks, right, on occasion, and I might see, I, and I remember this example, I was in Texas, I went for a walk, and I was coming up with questions, I was doing interviews down there, and um, I was like, I need something that just feels unique, and I just see a car driving by, and I saw the bumper sticker, and mm. it said, art is the new magic, mm. and 
I was like, I need to take this down. This is a question. The universe is telling me this. And that was an uncommon, unexpected, and appreciated sort of source of inspiration. And it was using a few questions. So for you, whether it applies to, you know, previous work, you're, you're thinking about work or even unseen, what is an uncommon source of inspiration for you? Oh my God, sir. I, I love that question for those that didn't hear my whisper. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, Rob, you know, when, when I first started swimming with Pedro, mm-hmm. by the time we finished, and even this person that's speaking to you now, who I was seven seven years ago, six, eight years ago, however many years ago 2016 was, that person is not the same person that's sitting with you here now. And um, I feel like what inspired me before and what inspires me now may not be the same things, you know, but in the last few years of making Unseen, especially I think during the pandemic, um, I was forced to confront my own humanity because I think before the pandemic, I used work, you know, and I used my work in advocacy as an organizer, you know, as a way to run away from my own internal fears within myself, you know, being a workaholic, maybe being an overachiever. Sometimes maybe it's my coping mechanism to not confront the things I'm afraid about within myself. But because the pandemic caused everything to pause and stop and slow down, well, here are my demons. You know, they're all coming out of me, out of my pores, and now I have to kind of like confront them. The weapon, I don't like to use the word weapon. I don't like to use the word coping mechanism also. But the tool, you know, that that (laughs) vocabulary is key, you know. Um, The tool that I found really meaningful to to confront these, you know, these really um, obtrusive, powerful, negative energies, you know, was actually um, journaling that turned into writing poetry, that turned into reading poetry, you know. Um, And I feel like sometimes prayer and poetry are the same things, you know. I guess ultimately what I'm saying is that for me, a poem, the, the best poems that I've read convey a feeling, convey a scenario. I don't exactly know what is happening. I don't exactly know what the phrases and the order of wording that the poet is using. I don't exactly know what they mean. But what I do know is by the last by the last line. I got a feeling from this poem. I'm confused. I'm inspired. You know, it's a warm feeling. You know, I think for me, like Unseen is very much inspired by poetry. We don't exactly know what's happening because first of all, we don't always see what's happening. Mm -hmm. We can't always hear clearly what's happening. But by the end of these 88 minutes, hopefully viewers got a feeling from it. You know, I think think poetry is about reading between the lines. You know, and maybe also Unseen is about, you know, watching and listening between the lens. And the other thing I, why I mentioned prayer, you know, there's a poem by Mary Oliver. Um, it's called Praying. I think it goes something like, it doesn't have to be like really epic words or it doesn't have to be something super special. Sometimes, you know, just look at the weeds, you know, and the concrete, you know, or just look at like the thing that where you're most likely to not be inspired by. And 
sit there silently out of out of nowhere something will come to you yeah. you know be open to that thing that comes to you maybe that's the process of creating that's the process of praying you know because i think for unseen i had no idea what i was doing most of the time but there was something out there something in me to maybe intuition maybe spirit maybe ancestors community guiding me you know and i thank them and i thank them also because I, when i was hanging out with Pedro and his family a couple of days ago we were chatting and it feels to me like there's also a guide in Pedro's life you know maybe it's his ancestors his lovers but both of us are being guided by some energy that mm. brought us to each other unexpectedly that brought this film into the world brought me to you you know and i think that magical thing is the inspiration that i've never thought i would be inspired by thank you that's it's great it's great great answer so this, this is the the last question that i have before i get to those rapid fire questions that already everyone's already. eagerly waiting for uh and, and i got to talk about black star um <sighs> yeah let's let's talk about black star a little bit and um sort of like you know taking this this background that you have that you know there is this the, the filmmaker component the community act, advocacy component the you know like the work that you've been doing and like premiering this film in philadelphia unseen in philadelphia so so talk about that and being um involved with uh the black star film festival and you know sort of its mission and just why it just was a fit Oh my gosh, Rob. You know, this is my first time in Philly ever, like the over like in the 20 years I've been living in the US, never been to Philly. And I've screened at Black Star before, but it was during the pandemic, you know, and it's the first time I have a feature in the in the festival. Just want to give like just so much gratitude to the black women and women of color behind this festival. Maori, Nihad, Sydney, Akili, Nyla, Farah, Sarazia, like all these amazing, you know, women that's just really making it happen. I hope I didn't forget anybody. And if I did, please, please, please excuse me, you know. And I feel like um, this, I was just in a, before I went to you, I was in a panel, you know, um, led like featuring a group of artists, all black women. And what I appreciate about the conversations in Black Star, I also attended the, the filmmaker seminar in the past. What I appreciate about Black Star is how the conversations are like, just like so like next level. Because I feel like when filmmakers of color and filmmakers who are not from the identities that the mainstream and capitalism um, privileges, sometimes there's uh, an expectation that we have to explain the basics mm -hmm. before we get to the advanced thing you know and what i appreciate about every conversation in black star is that there's no need to go down to the basics let's go right you know to level 34 because <laughs> like we're slaying the dragon already you know like because i feel like you know even here in this festival, the the embracing of accessibility, you know, as a part of the ethos of the festival, our film, something I'm proud about with our film is that our film is led and a lot of our creative team include people who are immigrants, people who are undocumented, people with disabilities, filmmakers who are blind, you know, filmmakers with disabilities, you know, 
And we are being blessed with the opportunity to be in a panel about how we made accessibility a part of our filmmaking process and our aesthetic, you know, as part of the, the process, you know. And I feel like the fact also that it's not just that, also we're people of color who experiences these intersectionalities. I feel like just the, it's like, it's just a croissant, you know, like, <laughs> It's like a flaky ass croissant with all these different layers of butter and dough, you know, you put in some jam in there. Just 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 the opportunity to be nuanced, I think, is really the most exciting thing I'm here. And thank you again, you know, because of Black Star, I met you in this conversation. So really, really grateful. Thank you. That that is well said. I I want Black Star to put we're like a croissant somewhere just just yeah. out there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a film croissant. Um, so th that's sort of the conclusion of the real questions, and I got five rapid fire questions ready. And as I tell everyone, don't overthink them. They're goofy questions. They're fun questions. Love. So here's the first one. Since you you mentioned um a croissant, so I got to go with the uh, the food related question first. What is your go to meal? Like, well, you know, if you're, you need something good, you need something quick, but what does that sort of go to? What are you reaching for? Oh my God. I love, uh, in particular, I eat a lot of salad. I don't know. I'm a basic person, you know, but if you're looking, just thinking about something quick, something good, you know, I go tarragon in particular is my most favorite herb to put in a salad. Um, but if not a salad, leftovers from my mom and my older brother, who are the best cooks in the world i dig it I'm, I'm always interested in what people are listening to what is a recent addition to any playlist you might have i'm screaming i listen i said i was telling pedro because i do i do understand and speak spanish tagalog and english the blessing and the curse of knowing different languages is that you can listen to breakup music in different languages and feel sad in different languages <laughs> in particular recently well in particular recently i've been really connecting a lot to like filipino music you know i want to give a shout out to my older brother who's the one who introduced me to them moira de la torre ben and ben angela ken you know um these three artists just really really phenomenal that's great their music is in tagalog often but you know you can google translation of this song You'll feel sad all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, you, usually if I'm looking for a sad like breakup song, I'm listening to some something in Spanish, and I'm like, I feel like sad in Espanol. It's it's there not. You go. <laughs> uh, if there was one thing, and you know, again, rapid fire. If there was one thing that you, you feel that makes a good story, what would that trait be? Ooh, I love this. I think I what. Well, I, this is something I think about often. I don't believe that there are good stories or stories that are better than others. Mm -hmm. I think it's about how a story is told. Because if you think about a scene, it's like, it's, you know, it's kind of like just a story about this guy living his life, you know. Another show that I also really like, This Is Us, at least the first season. I really enjoyed the first season of This Is Us on NBC. Yeah. You know, it's just about like this family, you know. But the way the story is told in this nonlinear, confusing way is like just really intriguing. You know, I think for me, it's not about what makes a good story. It's about what makes good storytelling, you know? Um, and I think for me, it's about 
you know, I think it's when coming from a place where you're not explaining, but rather showing and showing not just visually, showing in a full bodied like experience. You know, I think that's what makes good storytelling. Thank you. You're a very talented individual. What is another talent that you don't have that you want to add to the toolkit? Oh, um, I was going to say, I'm kind of talented already. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was going to say, you know, a talent, you know, that I wish I have is that I really love science, you know, um, actually studied linguistics in college, you know, and I kind of wish now that I had more of a knack for like fast thinking, you know, as in like, I would have loved to be like a physicist or an engineer, you know, because I feel like to be able to create, like, I think engineering is like making things that are useful in life out of nothing. It's kind of like making a film. Mm. You just had words. Now you have people saying the words you wrote. It's like almost godly, like, you know, like godlike powers, you know, to have, you know, and I think being an engineer is a similar experience. You know, I kind of wish I'm like a material engineer kind of person. I was going to make a reference to another anime, but I just, I stopped short. Please, please, please continue. It's almost alchemy, like Formal oh, Alchemist. Yeah. There you go. Oh my God. Exactly. Exactly. I would like to be an alchemist without having to write and draw circles, just have it. I'm doing the gesture, everybody, like clapping my hand, and then things emerge out of nowhere. I like it. Now I'm going to watch Formal Alchemist after this. <laughs> So, th so this is the last one I got for you. Um, describe uh, um, describe yourself as a filmmaker. What's the hashtag? What's the hashtag you would use to describe yourself as a filmmaker? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, uh, maybe the only thing that comes to mind is something I, the, the way that I like to reference myself often is that my work and maybe even my life is at the intersection of storytelling and organizing. like it. Uh, so that's kind of it for the podcast. Um, we got it. And what I would like to do is one, thank you for coming on, taking the time. This has been a great conversation. And, and two, I want to invite and encourage you to share in these final moments, anything plug away. The floor is yours. Uh, thank you so much, Rob. Yes, please. Everybody, we invite you to really, you know, find um, our film and maybe even bring our film to your community. If you want to host an educational screening or a community screening, you can uh, catch us at unseen-film.com or follow us on social media at Watch Unseen Film. And uh, our film also has a lot of different accessibility features like audio description, open captions, multilingual captions, multilingual audio descriptions, you know, and I feel like especially for audiences from the immigrant community, people of color, and also audiences with disabilities. This film is for you, you know, and you want to make sure that when you finish watching this film, you're like, oh, there's another person who's going through the same things as me, you know? And maybe just the last thing that I'll share is that, you know, I think one of the messages really I want to share with the film is that none of us should have to prove our worth. Just the fact that we exist, we're enough, you know? And I'm grateful for everybody who has come to watch our film. I'm grateful for you, Rob, you know, for finding value in this conversation. And I hope that for you that's listening or for you that will be watching our film, just a reminder that be gentle with yourself. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank the 
creator, director, the driving force behind uh, Unseen, which will be premiering in Philadelphia, the Philadelphia premiere at the Black Star Film Festival this week. Thanks again to Seth Hernandez. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, and community in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Oh,